0: Welcome to the Resolutions Podcast, where we like to turn difficult topics into helpful conversations. I'm your host, Chris Campbell, along with our co-host, Michael Gum. Hello, everyone. Well, Michael, today is sort of significant uh, for us. We are We're still not in the studio together. We're doing this virtually, but we are about 24 hours on the other side of what was a sort of a positive press conference that happened here in our state, the state of West Virginia. Mm -hmm. The governor uh, had his usual daily uh, presser yesterday. And uh, what we're hearing is there is a uh, a conservative strategy in place to begin opening up the state
1: again. Yeah. Baby steps, really. Baby steps. And
0: uh, I know that looks different uh, for different states, different, really different cities within different states and so forth. But I, I think we're, we're, we're coming into a week where there's a, there's a little more optimism, perhaps, that the, uh, the end may be in sight, not that we would return to normal. I, I don't know that there will ever be the normal as it once was again. But there is some optimism for those who have held in place and, uh, you know, have really tried to practice a bit of containment. And you know, uh, we're at the at the time of this recording. Uh, I, I guess this is about five weeks now. Am I right with that?
1: I have lost count, or I haven't kept count. I don't know. Um, it's it's either been five weeks or five months or five years. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> it it does it does blur, and it's interesting because you notice from as I as I'm working, obviously in the mental health field, and there does seem to be a bit of a wall that that people need to push through, uh, you know, about four weeks in.
1: Mm-hmm. There's and, only so much Disney Plus you can watch.
0: <laughs> this is true, right? And uh, so, so anyway, it just seems like we where we are specifically in our context, we're, we're still in that period. And so for, again, a bit of a breakthrough to happen, uh, the magic uh, number here in our state is uh, if we can keep things at or below a 3% infection rate, uh, that is something that we believe you know we can we can live with we can uh, we can adjust to. I think uh, yesterday, one of the more profound reminders that we had is uh, you know the this this virus is not something that's going to magically dissipate and go away. It's something sure. that we can, however, learn to live with and adjust mm-hmm. to so you know with that said michael as as we record today's episode again we're we're approaching the the beginning of May. Here in the Mountain State 2020, we are weeks into this pandemic experience. We hear or read updates every day that have conflicting perspectives. There is much debate about public safety and the timing and strategy of relaxing some of the safety mandates, not just here, of course, but throughout the U.S. Michael, let me ask you, at this point, what has been one or two of the more personal issues of impact for you?
1: Well, I think that uh, as this as this continues, there's just that that feeling of cabin fever. You know, there we're not going a lot of places. Whereas usually a, a de-stressing event of the day would be just. Taking some time and walking around Target aimlessly, and that's obviously yeah. <laughs> not happening. And then at the same time, I mean, it's very obviously had an effect on my work as a, a pastor, a worship leader. Um, you know, we've been for the the past month or two uh, doing online services and we do everything that we can to to produce the same kind of service that we would have in-house but obviously it's not going to be the same and uh, you know I think we're all itching to get back to some form of of normalcy uh, whatever that may look like yeah
0: did you anticipate sort of where
1: things are like if we went back four weeks ago
0: you know would you have been able to anticipate this is sort of what you would be looking at and what you'd have to address and deal with
1: I mean, I have no idea. I think I'm very much my nature is just I take things a day at a time, week at a time. I, I don't really look too far down the road for most things. So so I'm not sure that I, I really had an idea of, of what was coming next or how long we were going to be in this state. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I know I probably, I, I mean, I at least hoped it was going to be weeks as opposed to months.
0: No doubt. And it's interesting because whether you're more naturally – lean towards the introvert side or the extrovert side. I, I think that this has been a learning experience for most people mm-hmm. in that uh, there, there have been things that they didn't anticipate that have, that have challenged them. And you seem to be holding up well. Um, I think that for me, the, the thing that, um, that has taken me by surprise is there's this inner tension you know, with me as far as, okay, what are reasonable expectations? Mm -hmm. reasonable expectations for myself reasonable expectations that government on a local regional national so forth uh you know level has and there there's always this inner am i being as safe as i can or am i pandering to fear uh am i am i posing a risk not just not so much to myself but to others we've talked about this before you know i have uh elderly parents uh that of course that i i I try to be a a good caregiver too, and what are the precautions there and so forth. And, and just even here, you know, the things that we've talked about in a previous episode, I'm sure as far as, you know, what are the health parameters that I can or cannot guarantee just here at the, at this clinic.
1: Hmm.
0: And so I don't know that I would have anticipated that to the fullest extent, Mm -hmm. you know, to what I've been experiencing.
1: Yeah. And I can, I, I know exactly the tension that you're talking about there. In fact, it was just the other day. I, uh, there's a, a worship leader that I follow on Twitter and he posted something really interesting. He said, it's true that fear often looks like wisdom, but it's not. It's also true that pride often looks like faith, but it's not. And I think that we're all kind of living in that tension right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so with, uh, with, with this, this constant tension or seesaw, teeter-tottering, <laughs> whatever it may be from day to day, uh, I thought it might be interesting to do a show where we invite a few special guests on. Uh, and they're going to share their story in a uniquely um, different way. It's not going to be a commentary of sorts uh, from the experts outside looking in, or you know, really giving us um, you know a perspective that that's that's removed. But these people, the three that the three guests that we have on our show today, uh, they have each individually been touched by the COVID nineteen pandemic, and they are here to share their stories and bless our audience with some personal perspectives that really, really showcase hope, maturity, and grace.
1: Wow, that's great. Uh, Tell the audience who they have.
0: Okay, so our first guest today is actually COVID-19 case number 11 right here in our local county, Mike. Wow. Uh, Yeah, with his permission, uh, Ron Stoniker is not only allowing us to share his identity, but he has graciously offered to share his story of what it was like to be sick, his recovery, and what he's learned uh, on an introspective level. Ron's story is really interesting in that he was not diagnosed with the coronavirus until weeks after his symptoms were gone. Oh, wow. Yeah. So by way of introduction, uh, Ron is the president of the Stoniker Energy Corporation. Uh, This business, the Stoniker Energy Corporation, is not your average oil and gas business. Uh, They have a wonderful reputation for supporting local community through financial assistance, involvement in economic development, education, athletics, and clubs. On top of that, Ron is a man of faith. He's a committed Christian, a faithful husband, a father, an honorable businessman who is frankly one of the most positive human beings I've ever met. And I'm so glad to have him as a friend, and to welcome him to our show.
2: I got sick in early February, mm-hmm. and uh, it was February 5th is is when I started, you know, running a fever. And, and my niece has has an office here in Glenville. She she's a doctor. Okay. And uh, so the next day, I was still fever, and it wasn't a real high fever. You know, it was, you know, staying 100 101. Um, you know, never got above 102. Mm-hmm. And I touched base with her the next day, I texted her, I told her my symptoms and she said that it, that's not consistent with what she was seeing for the flu. Yeah. And she said, you know, just a virus, just, you know, stay hydrated and and let it run its course. And which, which I did. Um, by Saturday, um, that, that was on Wednesday on the 5th, by, by Saturday, I didn't realize it yet, but it had already turned into a moan. Oh,
1: wow.
2: yeah. and I was on the couch and, and literally was difficult to even get up and walk across the room. Yeah. Um, finally, um, by Monday morning, I, I rarely miss work. It's just mm-hmm. kind of not in my DNA. So I had gotten up at, at four 30 to go shower and, mm-hmm. and go to work. And, uh, so I showered and, and, uh, came out of the bathroom and couldn't walk across the, the, the bedroom I had mm-hmm. to sit down to rest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's when my wife's wisdom, um, convinced me to go to the doctor. Yeah. Uh, so went, went that morning and, and, uh, you know, they x-rayed my chest and I told her that wasn't necessary. My chest was fine, but, uh, she said, you know, humor me, let me, uh, go ahead and x-ray it. and And so I had pneumonia Yeah. and so got a medication and, uh, uh, a couple days later still hadn't improved much uh, my, my niece put me on an additional uh, medication and that kind of kind of helped out mm-hmm. so so by the by the following Wednesday my fever was gone my symptoms were gone you know aside from from my lungs
3: mm-hmm.
2: and, um, and so never really thought much about it Um my lungs, it, it was a battle to get those, those healed back up, Chris. I, I kept having inflammation oh. and uh, so had to go through three different rounds of treatments, uh, medications mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. finally got, got ahead of it. But, uh, you know, my, my wife actually, um, she, she determined it was coronavirus- way before anyone else. And I told her, Oh, that's crazy. You know, it wasn't even here at that time. So long story short, you know, my, my niece kept checking my lungs to, to make sure they were healing. And, and I happened to be at her office getting my lungs checked on March 18th, which was six weeks after I got sick. And she just received her, her test kits Uh, and just provided them to doctors that day. And, uh, you know, with discussions I had had with her, Chris, she was pretty convinced I, that's what I had had also based on my symptoms. And just out of curiosity, she said, I'm sure it's probably out of your system by now, but let's test just to see. Mm-hmm. And so she tested and uh, the results came back and it was positive. And wow. so, so it would have been, it was, I, I was still positive, Chris, six weeks after I started fevering and, yeah. and five weeks after my symptoms left.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I didn't get my test results back for 13 days. They notify me I'm positive, but I'm good to go because I'm past the time period. So we missed the whole quarantine deal. And so then the, the next thing that went through my mind is, you know, for the last seven or eight weeks, I had been walking around with being positive and being Mm -hmm. contagious Mm -hmm. and you know it's hard to tell who I came in contact with.
0: Was your family sick?
2: Um, They they were Um, not to the degree I was Gina and Nick it kind of hit them differently Um, but realistically it it, they would have had it as well and then Quinn had similar to what I had but she got on medication sooner than I did and it didn't progress into to pneumonia so, so I'm sure, especially after I tested positive, we kind of figured they were. Then after I tested positive, and they were around me for that long, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in close proximity, you know, they would have been exposed as well.
0: So, what what was what was their reaction to all of this?
2: Um, you know, Chris, I think we all kind of had a very high suspicion that we had had the virus. Um, I, I think they were a little dumbfounded that. Um, that I tested positive that long after the fact, mm-hmm. and you know, even though Chris, it was uh, CDC guidelines, I could be back in the public, uh, which I had been. I went ahead and and self quarantined until I could get a negative result. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stayed away from my office, stayed away from employees, and and stayed away from everyone but my family. You know, during that time frame. Yeah, and and so I I tested. Uh, I got the results on March 31st. I tested again on April 1st and got the results a few days later, and I was negative for that.
0: The next guest we'll hear from is Leslie Stroud. Leslie is the National Director for Freedom in Christ Ministries, Italy, or as they say, Italia. Leslie is a transplant from Great Britain. You'll you'll pick up on her accent, both accents actually, but has lived and served in Italy for decades. And Michael her context for COVID-19 is particularly interesting in that she lives in Milan, Italy. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is the city and region hardest hit in a country that has really been crippled by the coronavirus. Yeah. At the time of our interview, Leslie had been on lockdown with her husband in their apartment for seven weeks. Uh, today, uh, Michael, as we record in the studio, this part of the episode, Leslie is well into week number 10.
2: Mm. Yeah. Okay. And in the
0: interview with Leslie, our, our listeners will quickly pick up on her inner peace and faith that is rooted in a deep conviction of God's goodness and His love in spite of her and her neighbors, her cities, her country's circumstances?
4: Well, we were hearing, first of all, we heard about China, you know, but China such a far, so far away and mm-hmm. just such a long way away. And then we heard about Codonio, which is half an hour away from here.
3: Mm-hmm. We
4: heard that people had, uh, had had been rushed into hospital and people dying. Mm. And that was really weird. Uh, but I don't think that we realised. I don't think anybody realised the entity of it. It didn't yeah. hit us. And so, when they decided in Lombardy to have uh, to have uh, lockdown, I think actually we were relieved because we realised that something had to be done because there was no cure. There is no cure. The national health system was being stretched and stretched and stretched. But we saw such an amazing response from them. Oh. Hospitals, like you know, in Pavia, which is a bit, one of the biggest, largest hospitals near here. In overnight, they knocked down walls, they recreated areas to wow. uh, so that they could. And this is um, this is the Italian uh, genius, I think, creativity mm. under stress, <laughs> okay. and uh, amazing cases of humanity, of kindness, of a no. doctor. Mm-hmm. telephoning, sending a message to a lady saying, I wanted to know, let you know that I gave your father a hug. I held him as he died. Um, he was precious. not on his own. Yeah. Um, and that's just so, so lovely. That's
0: precious. That's a great story. So what as a, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, what, what were some of your first and initial thoughts and, and actions as the, the, the degree of seriousness was settling in?
4: I think the first thing that really hit me, prayer, it was Mm. 2 Chronicles 7.14. You know, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves before me and turn away from their wicked ways
3: Mm.
4: and call upon me, I will hear them and I will heal their land. And I felt that it was the Lord calling us individually, individually, get yourself, get your act together. because. Because the body of Christ actually is made up of individuals. We're like little cells in this Mm -hmm. body. Mm -hmm. So we cannot have a cell that's sick Mm -hmm. because you risk um, infecting everybody else. So it was a real get into your closet, close the door and come before me. Talk to me. I'm here waiting for you. So it was a real call to that
0: how many weeks have you been what we call it here uh is sheltering in place or stay at home you've referred (laughs) to it as lockdown or whatever but uh how many how many weeks have you been in uh Uh, lockdown
4: so this weekend it'll be seven seven Seven. weeks crisis came after two weeks when i suddenly thought oh my dear (laughs) Uh, i can't see the end of this never mind so so seven weeks but Again, the Lord has been so gracious because I don't see this as a prison. People have been joking, of course, joking, talking about being under house arrest. Oh, okay. And I said, you know, I think this is my castle.
3: Okay. I feel
4: so protected here. Okay. I, I feel protected in my nation because our government took, you know, the right measures. They were the first ones to come out and say, we've got to protect the health of the most vulnerable in this nation. Mm-hmm. And that's me. <laughs> that's, you know, that's my age group. That's yeah. that's my age
0: group as it were. So, what uh, for your provisions? How does that work out? You know, as far as food or whatnot.
4: Well, uh, we've discovered shopping online, which has been quite a challenge because um, I I wasn't used to um, planning ahead. Uh, a neighbour has been very kind because she goes out say once a week, and then other people when they go out, they might telephone me and say, "I'm going out. Do you need something?" So. And that's been very special. And my children have been really. My sons have been so worried, and they keep on checking up on us. They say, "Don't go out," and mm-hmm. I'm not going to go out. So, mm-hmm. so no, we're fine. We're not going to die of hunger, definitely not. Okay.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so it's delivered to your doorstep, then?
4: Yes, yeah, delivered. Yes, we've got one delivery. And I've just discovered today I've, I've ordered fruit and vegetables for Saturday. Uh, so it's just it's just learning how to. Organize, And uh, it's made me far more careful about what I, what, how I use the food and planning. Oh. Um, I'm, I'm, and my mother, if she were alive, she would say, mm, at last, Leslie, you are learn. So I stretch things, you know, uh, I stretch things.
0: Our third guest today is Esther Monte Falcone. As you know, Michael, I I have a special place in my heart for teenagers and youth ministry. Esther is the National Director for Youth for Christ Italia. Uh, Esther is the quintessential youth worker. Uh, She's amazing. She has decades of experience and unbelievable passion for the well-being of of teenagers, I had the privilege to work with Esther uh, a couple of years back and watch her in action uh, during what was then a huge refugee influx into Italy from Northern Africa and Syria. Uh, my time with uh, with Youth for Christ there in her region has proven to be monumental in the way it shaped my thinking on adolescent crisis counseling and outreach. Uh, Esther lives in Bologna, Italy, and while the restrictions in Bologna are not quite the same as in Milan, the day-to-day life of youth ministry has been totally interrupted for her. Uh, Esther is just a very balanced person who, like our other two guests, exudes a contagious type of grace and faith.
5: In January, we knew that there was a virus in China. Obviously, I remember our church praying for China, Uh, Because of the virus and uh, the news we were hearing from there. So that was January. Here in Italy in February, there was some alert at the airports. So people were uh, measured their temperature as they were coming in. Okay. Uh, But it was like, oh, maybe they're concerned about China and uh, airplanes that have been in China. Mm -hmm. Then the whole thing started on February 23rd. Okay. That's when they banished the public gatherings and, uh, like, such as schools and churches and big okay. events like concerts and theaters, that kind of stuff. Something had happened in the Milan area and they were really concerned.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, so we were recommended to uh, practice social distancing but not stay home. There was no stay home uh, alert. And some people were, were very concerned and they were already panicking. Mm-hmm. And other people, like me... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just an exaggeration that, you know, this is too much. Well, it's not that bad Uh, because the problem was more localized at the time. But then I remember March 7th uh, at night, I was having dinner with some friends and we heard the news that the prime minister had declared several provinces in the north of Italy as what we call red zones or Mm -hmm. hotspots. And so no one was allowed to get in and get out of those zones. The uh, the following day, um, it was a Sunday morning, all these students from the north were like fleeing the the, the area and going south because okay. they wanted to see their family and they didn't want to be locked in in the north of Italy. So that caused the government on March 9th to say, okay, all, all of Italy is a red zone now. No one okay. is allowed to get out in and out because if people move, they're going to spread the virus down south. Right. And uh, So they have done a lot of work to keep that area of Italy more secure because the sanitary the health system there is not as good as in the north and they knew that if this the same thing happened in the south I mean, lots of people would die so that's when it became serious From that point on we, we started to respect uh, the rules and the restrictions
3: mm-hmm.
5: uh, even at church our, our pastors were all very serious about obey the rules and we won't have church. Uh, for as long as uh, it's needed, and so even as YFC, I told my staff not to have clubs and meetings. And obviously, youth ministry is about meetings, It's about mm-hmm. gathering kids, you know, and meeting with them one on one. And so I told them to uh, not do this for a while, as as long as the government uh, would tell us. So yeah, we decided to respect the rules and restrictions. And as for thoughts, it was a mix of. Fear and worries and questions. How long is this going to be? Let's hope it's only a couple of weeks. Um, obviously, yeah, lots of worry in the sense of we don't know how to handle this.
3: Mm-hmm. this is
5: you. you know, how can you do ministry now? How can you do church now mm-hmm. if you cannot gather people? And so that's been the constant question right. <laughs> in, our, in our minds.
0: What what are, you, what are you doing as far as steps, uh, you know, to keep those contacts with the teens that you normally uh, interact with? Uh, is there any outreach at all going on right now? You know, what, how have you adapted there, you know, in Bologna and beyond?
5: So, we are, we, obviously, we have staff in different parts of Italy and we have uh, taken all our ministry online through Zoom and Google Meet and all these online platforms. So uh, all the activities like clubs and meetings that we used to have, they're mm-hmm. still going on through Zoom or Google Meet. And as for new things, obviously Youth uh, for Christ wants to reach out to unchurched kids mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and be enriched. So how can you reach the enriched when you cannot go out, you know. Yeah, yeah. So one thing we're trying to develop now, uh, in, in Youth Orchestra International, there is a guy who develops all these apps and wonderful things. <laughs> uh, so he's developed an app called Dask, There to Ask. It's an app. So kids can download the app, get on, on the app and ask questions. So we want to publicize, we're translating that app into Italian and we have already done it. Now we want to publicize the app our social media telling kids everywhere if you want to talk to us and uh, uh, you want you have questions you know times like these obviously uh, there are times for big questions about life and faith and uh, all these issues so if you want to stay anonymous but you have questions you can get on this app and ask ask questions and we would like to interact with you and this is a good way to do it because we had long conversations about how to do it. But because we have to do with minors, we're dealing with minors.
3: Mm-hmm. There is
5: a lot of child protection and all these policies. We cannot just chat with a kid. Right. We don't know. We don't wow. have permission to chat with. So the kids we already know, we have permission from mm-hmm. their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the new kids, we need to find a safe place. And so the app is something they download. And it's anonymous and there's no child protection um issues yeah.
0: with- one thing that I've tried to help uh you know parents that I work with um, and Different people who interface with with teenagers, uh, you know, here in the 21st century, to get them to understand that this that emerging generations they exist simultaneously in two different worlds. Uh, mm-hmm. There is this physical realm, but there's a virtual world as well, mm-hmm. and that's been so hard for people my age or parents or so forth to sort of wrap their minds around. But here we are now you know, in the middle of a, of a, what's a global crisis. And in mm-hmm. many ways we're, we're being led by a younger generation on, okay, how do we connect? How do we still, you know what I mean? Uh, and, uh, so that's been really fascinating, uh, to see. And, you know, when I was there, when I was able to, um, you know, to, uh, to see what you were doing and to spend time in Bologna, uh, your church was so special. And I know that that's, uh, beyond just, you know, you have office space there. Uh, that's just such a, a part of, of your, your community. So, you know, what, with your church what are they doing to to keep connected with each other uh to make sure that everybody is is still feeling you know just a uh, you know remembered and validated and so forth i mean what's what's been the church's approach for that
5: yeah so my church decided to uh, do uh, zoom gatherings some churches are doing uh, online services uh, streaming services so mm-hmm. the worship band and the pastor go to to the to the church building and Record a meeting and then they put it online and people can watch it. Our church decided to do it a little differently because they wanted to keep this sense of community and fellowship, uh, not just watching a service online but being together. So, because it's not a too big of a church, it's around seventy people, seven seven zero. We have decided; they have decided to uh, do a Zoom gathering. So we gather on Zoom. Uh, there's three groups meeting at different at the same time and with a different leader, and so we can still pray together and interact a little bit as as far as Zoom allows it, and then we listen to the sermon together. So the sermon is recorded the day before, but we watch it together, and then we can give some feedback on the on the sermon and pray uh, for. Uh, yeah according to the sermon and we also sing sometimes <laughs> it's kind of funny because there is a guy all the microphones are mute so one guy sings and the others sing by themselves in okay homes. okay but I like it we also have a Bible study on um, on Thursday night and we have prayer meetings every morning for small groups so you can sign up for one group uh, I think it's because it's not too big of a church obviously in a mega, in a mega church this would be harder
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, I think it's a good way to preserve the fellowship because streaming services would be too anonymous, uh, yeah. too alienating for people. Uh, so I think the church is re catching that, regaining that core idea of what church is. Church mm-hmm. is not a program, it's not a building, and this crisis is helping us see that much, much better. It's the people uh, we are missing one another. But at least we can spend time together
3: online, and
5: uh, even if we don't have a building and we don't have all these beautiful programs, which are good and important, but not as important.
0: I, I have probably listened to, at this point, hours of commentary, uh, whether it's been you know my selected news media outlets uh, through. Television resources, online media, and so forth. But Michael, there is nothing like hearing the firsthand account, you know, of a person who's just able to tell their story.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Because I mean, you're not getting uh, you're not getting spin. You're just getting like mm-hmm. this is what things are actually like for me. And you mm-hmm. know, there's I, you know, I think I think there's something to to be said for that.
0: Something so relatable. And and as each of these people, you know, were graciously just talking from the heart, you know, to me, I, you know, I was, I found myself, you know, just pulled in, you know, to the space uh, that, uh, that really, you know, there just seemed to be a piece about them. And so as we were wrapping up our conversation, I asked each of our guests uh, today, where have you found comfort? Uh, because the, you know, the, the testimony that they were giving really does um, you know, resound with a sense of comfort and peace. here's what they said.
2: I think what what has really came to the forefront with with myself and our family is just the absolute sovereignty of god mm. and and you know he is in complete control of everything. and you know with with this with the uncertainty of it with uh, you know my my mother. You know is 90 years old mm-hmm. unfortunately um, well, i've stayed away from her you know gina's mother is is older plus she has ms um in, in addition to that you know you've got the business concerns mm-hmm. and uh so you've got the uncertainty of how are you go pay your bills mm-hmm. uh, how are your employees going to pay the bills and uh so we take comfort in the fact that you know god's god's got it you know mm-hmm. he is in control and he's gonna see it through and and regardless of how it all shakes out, you know, his name's gonna be glorified through. And and that's that's the comfort we get from a Chris.
5: This idea that Jesus uh went through that by himself.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: He he was able to cross the river <laughs> yeah. in a way, and he is able to uh help us cross the river. So mm-hmm. he'll be by uh, by us, with us, when we go through the valley of the shadow of death,
3: mm-hmm. I think
5: that Psalm 23 was really important for me to mm-hmm. to remind to remember in those days. Uh, I think, as I said at the beginning, mm-hmm. is mm, just not thinking too much ahead. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the the teaching from Jesus, one day at a time. Wow. It's been more relevant than than ever. I can I only have the grace for today because if I think that I have to live like this until May 3rd, I, I cannot even yeah. take it in, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
5: but if I think, well, it's this day, I have my routine, my things to do, people to talk to, a Bible study later in the day, well, I can handle that. And mm-hmm. so it's the day by day
4: grace. I found comfort from two things, basically. One, from the Word of God. Mm. And another was right at the very beginning. I was just praying, praying to the Lord. And I had a picture of two very big hands, not delicate hands, but two uh, workers' hands, okay, mm. strong. And inside I saw uh, the people for whom I was praying, our family, inside these hands. Mm. And, where, and inside the hands was light, it was fine. But outside it was black and there was a storm and it mm. was terrible. Okay, mm. the difference was profound. And then I remember, this was before Psalm 91 became the top 10 of the of, uh, Bible readings throughout right, the world. Right. And I think it was, the, it was verse 1, okay, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall shelter, no, shall abide, okay. Abide. Mm. And I, I could not get past that verse. Mm. And the Lord said, this is where you're safe. Mm-hmm. Stay here. And that really that touched me, that was, uh, that helped me, and that has helped me. The other thing that kept, which I I found amazing, was out of the blue, telephone calls, emails, messages from all over the world,
3: Mm.
4: from people that we've been in contact with, just saying basically the same thing. How are you? Mm -hmm. Hope you're safe. We're praying for you, Mm -hmm. your family, and we're praying for the nation. Mm -hmm. And what, I think what touched Italy so much was this love which has been poured out upon this nation. People who've been coming and they said, why? Albania. Albania, there hasn't, Albania is a poor country, very, Mm. very poor country. They sent us, they sent us medical supplies Mm. and they said, we've done this because you, you, you helped us. Mm. Poland, they sent us, we did this because you, Italy came to us. China, uh, Italy was the first nation to send help when they when it broke out in one, mm. and it was just a question of golly, you know, we don't know when when we we sow seeds, mm-hmm. we do sow seeds, or, mm-hmm. or our actions and our words are seeds, mm-hmm. and wow, do we uh, we harvest them, and the, and for that that's been gracious, that's been lovely for me, that's been that's been the voice of the Lord, that's been saying you're not on your own. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. I'm seeing your needs. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm on this. I've
0: got this. As human, as human beings, when we're faced with, with crisis, when trauma has surprised us, instinctively, I think one of the things that we try to do is we try to answer the question, why?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, maybe in the process of, of grieving what it is that we're working through, somehow we think if we can assign blame, uh, or if we can point a finger or to to have something to direct our frustration towards, uh, that's somehow going to be helpful. That, that's actually not the case, but in these moments, one of the biggest questions that people struggle with is, okay, well, where is God in these situations? And there's usually a bit of a tug of war that happens if, if not internally, then just even in our Frank conversations that we have with, you know, well, what about God's God's love, his sense of sovereign love? Is he, is he overseeing everything and working through everything in a love, in a loving way? And if so, okay, how do we reconcile the reality of tragedy, tragic circumstances? Mm-hmm. I ask our guests that, that very question.
4: I don't think we can impute God for the present situation. Mm. I don't think we can clench our fists and say, what have you done? Okay. Our world, generally speaking, is totally disregarded. Even the most basic things, it's disregarded um, the basic truth, the, the sanctity of life. Mm. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, honesty um, Looking after looking after our world and things like this And I just kind of think that as a mother as a grandmother as a mother and a grandmother It makes me weep when I see my children or my grandchildren Taking an unwise path. I can't I can't stop them. I can Mm. warn them Mm -hmm. and they will have to um, suffer or go through the consequences and sadly their parents are going to suffer, their grandparents are going to suffer because they see their suffering. So I see God looking at this situation, suffering with us mm. because he can see the suffering. But I, but I see that there is an end to it. Mm. And, I, and I do believe Romans eight twenty eight. Ah. that's another verse which I've hung on to, mm-hmm. that all things, mm-hmm. and this is an all thing, works mm-hmm. together for, for the good for those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purposes. And I believe that. So I say, I don't know. We, we don't know why. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness we mm-hmm. haven't got the answers. But Lord, I know that you are good. And I know that, mm-hmm. I know that you, haven't, um, you haven't left planet Earth.
2: Mm-hmm. You haven't. These things are, are a little bit over my head. I think they're, they're over all of our head because it's hard for us to reconcile this but we do know as believers you know we know the character and nature of god mm. and he is good he is holy um you know he is loving and you know how, how do these things happen um you know i i don't know the answer to that chris you know we drive ourselves crazy trying to understand this stuff and and you know why did god allow us to be born you know, in the United States, instead of some third world country. You know, why did God allow you and I to be born to to Christian parents that raised us in church and and you know gave us a leg up on our, mm-hmm. our on our life? And I don't know the answer to any of that, but I do know that that God is is good and God is loving and, and God is kind and and somehow through all this, His name will be glorified through.
5: Yeah, this is a great question because today I'm um, doing a Bible study with a group of kids uh, about Genesis 3 and the fall. And the the, the question we're going to answer is, uh, how can we say that God is good in this tragic world? And obviously in Genesis 3, we see that even in the tragedy of sin, God's pro- God provides clothes for the man and the woman who mm-hmm. live in the garden. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the theological truth that... Um, God stays good even in even when man and sin and he offers uh, he offers provision, even when they don't want his provision, He's still there. Uh, but in general, I think suffering like that, there's no easy answer. sometimes as Christians we want to give this you know we fix <laughs> the suffering and give easy answers uh, to to young people and we just have to. It's, I think it's. This is also time to recover what someone has called the, the- theology of lament and mourning. And mm-hmm. grief. Uh, so yes, we have hope in Jesus in his death and resurrection. He's taken all this evil upon himself, so he knows what what it is. And but also at the same time, we don't have all the answers, and we just have to grieve and cry with people who are crying and yeah. Yeah. mourning with them. And as Christians, we. It's a variety of things, it's a combination of things, you know, Mm -hmm. giving hope at the same time, being able to just lamenting and as in lamentations, you know. Yes. uh, When the people of Israel were exiled and there were in so much suffering, Uh, I think it's being alongside, being with the kids and with the youth and um, going through these questions and giving hope and at the same time grieving with them.
0: Amazing insight there. Um, So to take that a little further, I was very interested in, you know, hearing from Ron, from Leslie, from Esther, what did they see as opportunities moving forward? you know, what in the, in the face of, of personal tragedy or regional or national global epidemic, you know, if God is working all things for the good, uh, then that would imply that there are opportunities for his people to step into and to showcase his goodness, to do good things. And so I asked them each, each of our guests, Ron, Leslie, Esther, what they thought were the opportunities that are appearing on the horizon.
2: First and foremost, uh, 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 immediately here, I have have reached out to to donate plasma. Um, oh, you know, since since I'm you know negative now and I've had it, should have the antibodies, so mm-hmm. so hopefully that will be very beneficial. Um, you know, another thing, Chris, that that I have seen uh, is the return to family. Mm. um my, my daughter's in from college mm-hmm. um you know my, my son's at home all the time we have had wonderful family time over yeah. these last several weeks yeah, yeah. and you know, Eating dinner together and, and watching movies together right. and, and stuff that we've not been able to do for a long time. And it's, it's really my hope that once the virus is gone and things return to normal, that that people remember the value right. of that. With with so much stuff being eliminated from our lives with this shutdown, I, I hope it gives us a, a better perspective on, on what's really important and, uh, yeah. and what isn't. And, uh, you know, we, we are obviously a sports family Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's kind of given us a chance to evaluate. And, you know, we, we probably were a little too far in that direction Mm -hmm. and probably putting a little too much emphasis on it and, uh, um, probably giving it a, a level of importance in our family that it didn't deserve. And I think there, there's probably a lot of things in our life that, that this has been a good chance for us to, to take a step back and evaluate, and um, and so hopefully you know as as a nation as a world
3: mm-hmm. you know
2: um, really hope that that this resets a lot of people, and that that faith starts playing the 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 role in everyone's lives that, that it deserves.
5: I think it will be more and more uh, the core of ministry uh, is personal relationships around. The gospel, the good news of Jesus. Mm
3: -hmm.
5: Uh, So we have to find ways to continue to do that, maybe more with personal relationships and hospitality, you know, having people coming in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very generic thought, but that's what I'm uh, going back over and over. The core of Mm -hmm. ministry, which is serving people through a relationship,
4: pointing them to Jesus and to the good news um, of the gospel hopefully we will look back at this time as, as a time it's like, um, it's as though God has called time out Mm. and, um, he's giving us an opportunity to to do what a basketball team does to listen to the trainer. Okay. And to, uh, change the game. Okay. If necessary. So I'm hoping that we're going to change our game. I'm hoping that, um, selfishness in families um, bitterness in families i hope that's going to be a thing of mm. the past mm-hmm. because we've become so close to losing our families and our mm. friends and nations so hopefully that's going to be an increase of awareness of how precious life is how mm. precious relationships are and then god has also promised that you know god's people are people of faith and um, I mean, today something which was really nice. We got every day, well I do anyway, I'm sure you do. You've got two feet, I've got two feet too. We put on, we put on two shoes, mm-hmm. okay? And one shoe is trust and the other shoe is obey, mm. okay? Yeah. And if we, could just, if we could just do that and listen to God daily and see what he's promised, Jesus says you will go out and you will preach the gospel, you will live the gospel and you will place your hands on people and their lives will be mended their bodies will be mended that's what i see the people of faith and if we do that then the rest of the world will follow they'll just say wow who is this god who is this god
0: incredible incredible wisdom right that just comes to the surface Yeah. when you're put in a position uh where you're confronted with mortality uh, I think so many times we, uh, as as human beings, probably more so here in the Western world, we, we deceive ourselves into thinking that there's there's some sort of sustainability that's within our control of uh, of life, quality of life, or you know maybe maybe even comes down to averting uh, you know just sort of of, of potential disasters that get, that really could could infringe upon everyday life at any moment. Mm. And to hear from people, you know, who have been confronted with those circumstances and to receive their testimony, but just powerful. So one of the things that I wanted to bring up is the topic of prayer. Now, prayer is something that I don't know that we've gone into a lot of discussion about on this podcast, Michael. Hmm. And um, I think prayer is something that um, that's an exercise that is pretty commonly uh, known and accepted, maybe even practiced uh, by a variety of people within our listening audience, our culture and so forth. But I'm just interested, maybe the, the two of us working here together, um, Let's let's take a moment and let's talk about prayer. You know, how to how to how do you define it? How do I define it? What what is prayer? Uh why is it that people pray? What, you know, what how do we uh how do we utilize it in a in an effective way in our lives? So when I throw out the the idea of prayer, we're gonna, you know, we wanna we we wanna be able to pray for people. What comes to mind as far as your worldview, Michael, in a way that you use prayer as an expression of faith? Hmm.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I believe that there is power in prayer. Uh, it's something that that I've seen firsthand in my life, and um, but at the same time, I think it's something that's that's easy to forget. It's easy to mm-hmm. neglect because there, uh, it's there. There's just not you don't see immediate results from it most of the time, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, other than kind of a stilling and a quieting of your own heart. Um, but, but, but a lot of the external things that, that we can often pray for, we don't, we don't see it right away. So, so there's not the same, uh, <laughs> I mean, we're in a culture of instant gratification, right? You know, if we don't see it, if we don't see results right now, uh, we're not as prone to, 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 do it again. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I, can really think back to, to times in my life that, that I felt that there was not much else I could do, but pray. And the, those are, are, are times that, that I look back on as uh, just really times that, that re-solidified my own faith. Um, so, so I, I know that, that that prayer is important, and you know sometimes I, I have to remind myself of that. And I think even speaking out loud right now uh, is another one of those times that I'm reminding myself. Yeah, that's
0: really good insight. I, you know, the older I get, I. I would say the more sure I am about prayer and yet prayer becomes more of a mystery to me mm. um, because I, I don't know. I can't predict the timing as far as the outcomes Sure, <laughs> you know, with what it is that I'm, that I'm asking and what it is that I'm talking to God about prayer is a, prayer is a two way conversation. I totally believe, you know, between uh, mankind and, and our Creator, that is only facilitated, only made possible by the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we are connecting with our Creator, He invites us to come and to share whatever is on our heart. Uh, I love the the passage there in the, in the Book of Hebrews that tells us that because of Jesus Christ, we can come confidently to God's throne of, of grace and there we can find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need and so that's a that's a very personal invitation and so we pray about personal needs and yet throughout the bible we're encouraged to to come together and lift you know our voices in a corporate way over needs and mm. so with these things in in mind you know, Michael, you and I thought it might be really interesting to, uh, and, and probably advantageous, to close out today's show in a way that we've never done before. And that is, we're going to pray. Yeah, uh, And we're going to pray for the specific needs uh, that have been brought forth by the testimony of our friends during this podcast. Mm-hmm. So we're going to invite you if you're if you're a person of faith and uh, and you do believe in the power of prayer, uh, we're going to invite you to to just to join us in prayer uh, because we believe this is an opportunity for the people of faith to be united in one voice, lifting their prayers and petition to heaven.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: So our Father. Uh, we thank you that um, you are always here. You're always present with us. And praying is as simple as turning our thoughts, our heart in your direction and coming to you. Uh, We thank you that we can do this in the name of Jesus. And so as you've been not just listening in, but I'm sure participating in, in the recording of this podcast, we want to lift up very specific needs to you right now. And for the people in Milan, Italy. Leslie has requested that, that we would pray that you, God, would raise up men and women of integrity to serve the people there who have been hit so hard by the sickness. Uh, Lord, we believe that, uh, that there are, are people who would have maybe underhanded motives in those situations or would, would not come into it with a determination to do uh, their very best of service with excellence. But God, we believe this is an opportunity for you to raise up your people to be very servant-minded and to come in and to serve, of course, as agents of, of healing. Of, of people who can lift, lift the community with integrity. Another prayer request uh, that Leslie has put forward is that you, God, would have mercy on Italy as a nation. You know, it's, it's her heart that she would see, uh, you know, her, her friends, her countrymen uh, turn to you in repentance. We pray that that indeed would happen for the nation of Italy. And finally, God, we pray for unity. We pray for unity throughout the nation of Italy. This is a tremendous opportunity to see barriers that have separated people uh, to be broken down and for people to come together united in love. Um, God, on the other side of, of this time of crisis, let there be a reset and let people come together in a way that is renewing of relationships, unifying, let the nation be stronger than ever in love in Jesus name.
1: And Lord, we pray for, for an end to this COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, We pray just knowing that you are, that you are sovereign over the whole earth. We, we know that, that you sustain all of creation. So, so Lord, we, we pray just in your power that, that you would, that you would put an end, uh, to, to this outbreak, uh, both supernaturally and, uh, naturally through, through the work of, of of doctors and, and researchers, uh, those who are developing vaccines. Um, Lord, we, we just pray that, uh, in every way, just the, that this, this outbreak would be stopped, um, and God, we also pray for, for wisdom and discernment, uh, not only for those who are in the medical field or in government, but also those who are in ministry, uh, who are faced with very unique challenges right now. Uh, God, we pray that, that you would give them wisdom um, in, in the decisions that they're making and discernment of what decisions are, are being influenced by your Holy Spirit and what decisions may be influenced by the flesh. Um, by 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 those concerns of the world, uh, concerns of finances, concerns of you know pride, um, and 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 even the influence of fear. Uh, Lord, we we pray that that more decisions made in ministry will be influenced only by your spirit. And uh, finally, I, I I pray that the lessons of this. Uh, of this covid nineteen outbreak and quarantine uh, would not be forgotten that that we can really find those takeaways that that, that can come out of this and uh, and that we would not continue in the same path that we were that we were walking down before this hit um, that that we would walk closer with you and walk in more wisdom uh, than than we had before, and that we would not repeat some of the failures that, that, that we may see around us, uh, or that we have, have even made during this time but that, that we would, uh, just gain more wisdom through, uh, through what we are experiencing today. Mm-hmm. Lord, we love you and we give you all the glory and praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, thanks for hanging in there with us today. We we realize that
0: this is a this is a mental health podcast, but we're not fragmented individuals. Uh, we really subscribe to the evidence that uh, that we are body, soul, and spirit, and uh, you know we we want to encourage people to take care of themselves physically during this time. Uh, we've said this before, we'll say it again. Uh, but the ancient word, uh, for soul is actually psyche. It's where we get psychology from. And then we believe that in the innermost core of who we are deepest, our deepest truth about our identity is that we are spiritual people. And so, uh, this has been an episode today that we hope you've been ministered to on those three levels. And, uh, You know, again, we're going to encourage you if you if you hear something here that is hopeful, please spread the word. You know, we love to pick up more uh, subscribers. Give us give us uh, the positive feedback that'll continue to help us shape the programs ahead. And then also, you know, especially if you've been moved today by the testimony of our colleagues in Italy, uh, they're super easy to track down on the web. Uh, So go offer them some encouragement. Let them know that you're that here you are all the way, you know, across the sea in America, but, but we're, we're lifting them up in prayer.
1: Yeah. So that's our show for today. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we would encourage you to share this show with others. And, uh, if you don't already subscribe, please do. Uh, but for the time being, uh, I am Michael gum, I'm Chris Campbell, and we'll catch you back here next time.